Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back the time, 5.58 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 367 one Let me go to line number two and talk with um, Nelson and Sam Mattel. Nelson, are you there? Fine. Um, I guess you missed those 115 degree, 115-degree days in um, France. Do you know that when we were planning to go, my wife and uh, one of our longtime friends and her husband happens to be elder in our church, they were uh, they were advised that the weather was going to be cool and rainy. And so um, we all uh, brought clothing appropriate to that under the notion that as it is often in the Mediterranean area, that it can be overcast, it can be humid and it can be rainy like it is in the south. Uh, but Nelson, it was not that way. We had weather averaging over those 21 days or so of 65, 75, 80 degrees. Perfect weather, sometimes a little bit challenging up into the 90s. Uh, and up to the last day, it was just impeccable weather. Short pants, T-shirts all the way through, even until late night. The sun didn't go down till about 930 or so, almost 10 o'clock. It was just brilliant. And as we were leaving... Uh, making our way back to America, we heard that there was going to be a heat spell. And it's up there now, like you said, way up in the 110s, 112, 115, and people are dying. So we are sad about that, but we are very glad that God smiled on our plans. And uh, we're back now in what I consider the best inclement weather in the world. Yeah, yeah. one time we'll talk about global warming. I do believe it's true, but anyway, just a different subject. No, yeah, it's um, true. It's true. Ain't no doubt about it. It's true. It's biblical. Right. right. I can give you, I can give you some um, biblical, some, I can give you some biblical data that, that uh, substantiates the need for anomalies um, cyclically as well as prophetically. I, I don't know why Christians would have to be um, fighting over, uh, you know, the facts. We might argue over the details in terms of what percentage of it is natural or consequential to sin or what percentage of it is man-made based upon our excessive uses of uh, different, uh, you know, different emissional uh, dominant uh, materials. But I I don't think it's at all um, arguable. I agree with you fully. All right. Tell me what you think about Independence Day and what freedom means to you. Yeah, I mean, your questions are good, but they're they're ones I generally would have to um, look at to really get into it. But you know, Hamilton and Jefferson had you know different um, versions. Hamilton believed in a strong central government. Yep. He started the federal banks. And, yep. Um, but of course, when Jefferson became president, he did executive orders like the Louisiana Purchase. He put tariffs on both Brit- Britain and um, France because they were having a war against each other. You know, he was deciding which one he would favor, but he said, no, I'll put a tariff on both, and he cost Americans their jobs. So presidents, the, the problem I have with the Federalist Society, who's pick, who picked the presidents for Republicans now, is that, you know, they started in 1970, 
and now they want to um, pretend like they're the strict originalist, like like almost like Jefferson never did executive orders, and it all started with Lincoln making the executive orders. Right. But they never talk about Polk initiating the um, the Mexican War. Lincoln said it's the most unconstitutional war ever. Grant, who fought in the war, said it's the most unjust war ever. Zachary Taylor was the overseer general. But he was he was good to the Mexican people because he knew Polk was pushing it. You know, a lot of these things that you know, bad things that people have done in American presidents or whoever. Everybody didn't go along with them. That you know, so you know when they always say, "Oh, the white man did this, white man did it." No, it's just this white guy did this, and other people went with him or something. You know. Um, that, really that's an oversimplification. That's an over. Place. That's an oversimplification of the 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 actual facts. Most of the time, I'm sure you know that all one has to do is have enough working knowledge of of American history to know that is way too complicated to just blame it on the white men. I don't know why people want to succumb to that other than ignorance. And you know that that's largely the case if we're ignorant of history. And we didn't learn it in school, and we certainly wouldn't have learned it in many of our government schools and even in our Christian schools. I'm sorry to say. Uh, then people really don't know the complexity of the dynamics of politics in any given century, even to today. And that's really why, I mean, you know, I, I, I enjoy listening to men like yourself who have done some study in these things, but I'm not going to let the program you know, run down the path of, of different uh, historical uh, sites because, you know, we'll put people to sleep. The fundamental question I'm asking you is on this day, uh, July 1st, 2019, where Nelson and, and Jesse are talking freely over the radio and we could expand our conversation into rich Christian dialogues. We can talk about apostasy. We can talk about worldviews. We can talk about our dislikes of, uh, of, of, of virtually anything without at this point being censored, going to jail or experiencing any significant reprisal. Uh, we can go out and with hard work achieve certain goals and, and, and accomplish purposes if we do it judiciously with the favor of God in our life. Uh, I'm asking you, given the uh, immediate personal and proximate freedoms that you have, um, what does freedom mean to Nelson? And and are you at present, do you feel at present like you are sufficiently free to to be able to affirm, at least ideologically, what um what what the Constitution and what the Bill of Rights and uh you know what 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 basically was written by 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 Abraham Lincoln in terms of uh, of the people for the people by the people? Do you feel like some of that is is merited in terms of who you are at this time? Yeah, you know, there's not perfect freedom, but, you know, I, I went down that road with Hamilton and Jefferson because, you know, everybody doesn't see it right. the, the way you're saying. You mentioned Lincoln. They talk about he, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but they say, you know, they're really against him. Uh, right. And that, you know, in the 14th Amendment and everything, and, you know, they say he did everything wrong during the um, Civil War, suspending Habeas Christ. 
habeas corpus. corpus. But a lot of people are going to talk like that based upon their interests. Let me rein you back in and ask you questions about about Nelson, because if they called me, I would deal with them. You know that I would if if I give them five minutes to start talking like, you know, like 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 people who who either on the south or are are people who were, you know, uh, on the other side. And I would say, okay, from that prison from which you are talking, you you better be just because on both sides, there were legitimate arguments, as you do know. But at this present moment, as we are moving in history for you and me, two African-American males that are free enough to be able to have a conversation and be criticize even our leaders. You and I can do that um, in a lot of countries around the world. You can't do it without reprisal, particularly when you have a big microphone like I do, where I'm able to talk to thousands of people and, and we can reach people around the world on this program. Uh, you know, I could easily be silenced in other countries. And so I'm thankful to be able to have this conversation. So I'm going to ask you one more time, my dear brother, how does your freedom, your freedom, how does Nelson's freedom make him a better person? You're talking about American freedom. I'm talking about your freedom. I'm talking about your freedom. Well, there's a difference between the city of God and the city of man. Okay. So help me Um, how, help me understand how you within the context of your freedom, um, how do you negotiate um, your present soteriological freedom and your future eschatological freedom? Well, because um, the main thing is Jesus said, "Whoever serves sin is a whoever practices sin is a slave of sin." Okay, and you know there's a progressive sanctification that happens that um, you're not bound to the things you were bound before. And you know, and, and you, you see that you see that with unbelievers. How in this society in Northern California, you see how people are just bound to materialism. I mean, like this coworker. If I tell her that they've given me some extra hours to work overtime, she wants my hours. She starts begging for my hours, and um, and she tries to take all the hours I get. It's like people are so bound by materialism here, and and. As a believer, you know, I believe that um, God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't have to be bound by that spirit that is, like, so profound, you know, here in Northern California because of the expense that it takes to live here. So I'm going to ask you one more question relative to what you did and more objectifying the statement. The freedom that you have that you suggest or assume or assert that your your coworker doesn't because she's in bondage to materialism. How does the distinction between you and her make you a better person? Well, because when you're bound by the sin, whether it's I'm talking about you. I'm pushing you a little bit. I'm pushing you a little bit. If you were in my Bible class, I'd be pushing you like this because. You know what I often be I often think about with professing believers and believers in general, uh, Nelson, because, you know, as a pastor, when I, when we bring people in the congregation, we we do new members class. Right. We in, in new members class, you, you try to really see whether or not people, you know, actually know the Lord. Um, and a lot of times if I'm if people are talking about, you know, well, the Lord Jesus died for his people. He died for, you know, sinners. He died for the elect. And I go, okay, now they're objectifying salvation, but have they been able to make a personal application of it in any kind of substantial, subjective way? And what I am saying to people that are listening to me is, do you appreciate today 
what grace has done for you in the context of your soteriological freedom to make you a better person. I'm not talking about being better in the ultimate sense of being different than a person as a sinner, but as a saved sinner, there should be substantial clarity on the betterment of grace in your life over against people who are in bondage to the darkness of this world, the lust of this world, the pride of this world, and uh, the the fleshly uh, vanity of this world. You and I should be able to see what grace has done in our life to make us better in terms of our thinking, better in terms of our um, priorities, better in terms of our passions, better in terms of our perspective. Perspective, even of our lost neighbors. I think that if I were in your shoes and I had a coworker that was craving for my hours, I might be saying, Lord, should I give her my hours? Because all I need is you and she may need a whole lot more than I need in this particular context. I'm 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 saying that I think that by the grace of God, Christ is my sufficiency. And as Paul said it in first Timothy chapter six, um, godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Joy, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those that would be, you know, I I can be fulfilled. You know, if I if I took, you know, two or three days off and um, you know, go down to San Diego in the hotel, so I could be fulfilled just three hours or more listening to three or four sermons by Charles Spurgeon, they can really edify me, or just walking on um, the pier there um, in San Diego or Sounds good. um, Sounds good. But, yeah, instead of being consumed with, you know, materialism and um, and sensuality, you know, um, you know, when you fast, you know, you go on a two- or three-day fast, you know, you're not going to be... Um, craving sensual things, like even not just sexual things, but but um, um, anger. Your, your anger is reduced. That passion, you know, a spirit of humility. Man, I can give you. A, I can give you a physiological reason why that anger is reduced. <laughs> when you don't have certain foods in your system, serotonin uh, increases. Serotonin diminishes. Other other biochemical dynamics diminish as well, and and we kind of just recede from a more vital, uh, animated state. And 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 yeah, I guess fasting does have that have, have that have that capacity in, in it. And on a spiritual level, I will agree with you. If I'm on the edge of being angry a lot, then sin is definitely crouching at the door. There's no doubt about it. Listen, man, I appreciate I appreciate your conversation. I gotta take a break, pay some bills way overdue. I've got two lines open, one triple eight, three six seven five three two nine, one triple eight, three six seven five three two nine. Let me revisit these four questions and see if I can get some other observations from those of you who say you know the Lord Jesus. What does freedom mean to you? Do you feel as if you are sufficiently free? How does your freedom make you a better person? And how does the gospel play a factor in your freedom? And remember, this Wednesday is the first of seven powerful, profound studies in Psalm 91 from 11 o'clock to about 12, 1230 at Grace Bible Church. Wednesday, summer Bible study in the Psalms. It's going to be rich. 
888-367-5329. line Got three lines open. Ellen from San Mateo, you hold on. I'll be right back after this break. And now back to Lifeline. We are back at the time, 619, on the Monday edition of Lifeline, July 1st. Second on Tuesday. Third on Wednesday and fourth on Thursday. And we will be celebrating our lauded uh, and unique position as Americans uh, in contradistinction to the rest of the world, um, where there's large more portions of freedom as well. Uh, perusing many of the uh, uh, states and cities and islands in the Mediterranean, uh, my wife and I and our friends were very much aware of the universal transmigration of a lot of um, Latinos or what we say people of color and certainly Africans from uh, Sudan and uh, Gambia and other parts of the world. Uh, that was just common parlance. You get off the boat, get off the plane, and there they are um, in your tourist sites selling um, a lot of very good products and goods. And yet you know that what you're looking at is the consequence of devastations of war, imbalance in politics, um, greed at the highest levels of government and power, forcing people to leave their homes because of instability and a need to make a living elsewhere. And, and, And we have a little of that in America. We really do. It seems to be ubiquitous and everywhere in the world. Um, and, and I support it. Uh, people got to live. Uh, a lot of the people that we saw uh, on the shores of, in the, uh, again, tourist areas of the different states, Paris and, and uh, Italy and, and Rome and what have you, they, they, were, they behaved very well. They didn't over push it. They didn't, you know, intimidate you or anything. They were very, very careful people. Very delightful to have conversation. I'm wearing a wristband from uh, from one of our brothers who was from, uh, I'd like to say Sudan, but it was, it's another peculiar area that um, he was showing me his son that he just recently had and uh, and uh, just trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And, yeah, I supported him uh, because, you know, you need to help people right where they are. You just need to help people right uh, where they are. And I thought about how privileged I am to be able to do that. <clears throat> it wasn't because of my own powers, might, or strength that I chose to live in America. It wasn't my own powers, might, or strength that I chose to be born in the baby boomer era. Wasn't my own power, might, or strength that uh, allowed me to develop and grow and mature and enter into a state of significance in terms of contribution to my country as a minister of the gospel. It was by the grace of God. So I I owe God for everything that I have. And I thank him for my country, my jacked up country, my mixed multitude country, my um, blessed but broken country, my blessed but uh, coveted country. I mean, like I said, when I got when I really finished my journey, it was like, okay, um, God's been good to me. My lot has been cast in pleasant places, like David said in Psalm 16. Uh, and it's not that I have a whole lot either. It's just not, it's not, I'm not some kind of wealthy person just laying back on my leaves, talking like the rich man who said to himself, so we have stored up goods for years. That's far from the truth from this brother. But, uh, but I, I, I must say that God has been extremely good to me and what freedom means to me and, and what I feel in terms of the sufficiency of freedom in my life and, and, uh, how freedom is designed to make me a better person and how, uh, by virtue of the gospel of the grace of God and its factor in the freedom that I have here in America, 
Um, I can give an answer to those things, but I'm, I'm here to talk with you. I've got about 30 minutes as well. I'm going to start with Ellen and San Mateo and uh, two lines open, one 367 Ellen, are you there? I certainly am, Pastor Jesse. Now, I have to calm myself because whenever I listen to you, uh-huh. and I spoke to you last week, you touch on so many things, my head is spinning. Okay. We could talk for hours. I don't mean the two of us, but I mean you could talk for hours about you brought up issues of why people who were uh, who, who gain freedom are attached to their masters. That's a, a fascinating subject. You talked about all kinds of different things. But the thing that I want to address, I'm going to have to rein it in, is your question. Yeah. And when you first asked the question, um, the, the first thing that came to mind, I, without even a, a thought, I mean, I, I when now that I'm born again, when, when the Fourth of July comes, I, I only when you asked the question, I thought. Well, of course, freedom, the the freedom that God gave me, what what Jesus did for me. That is the only freedom I have, and that is the only freedom that no one can take away from me, that that no one can infringe upon. And and I know I work with, with women who are in prison. They can have that freedom even though there are bars on their cell. I mean, it, God is so good, and, and it, it, to me, you, one of the questions is, how does it make you a better person having that freedom? Because you're just brimming with, with wanting to, you know, uh, to, to tell, share it with people. You know, I was watching the, well, I don't have a television anyway, I was listening to the aftermath of the, 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 the debates and all this stuff, and whenever they talk about politics or in the natural world, it's always with anger. They're trying to knock each other down. This one wants to win. This one is attacking even within their own party. Yep. It's always with anger and all this. But, but with Christian, because they all have their own little agendas. Yep. This side says, oh, we're right. This side says, no, we're right. Mm-hmm. We hate you. We hate you. Mm-hmm. But with Christians, it's one focus. Jesus died for us. I, my focus is, is on, on Jesus. My focus is on the Word of God, on, on the grace of God, and you put it so beautifully, and I'm so grateful to you, and I have to calm down, and I'll shut up in a Preach minute. Preach it, girl. Preach but it. I am so grateful to you. When, it, when you talked about the Vatican, yes, it has all those things you talked about. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Historical, all uh-huh. that stuff, and, and pretty stuff that glistens and all that. But it is, I'm richer than, way richer than the Vatican. Yes, you are. You're rich, much richer than the Vatican. My sisters in prison are much richer yes, than the Yes, they are. Lord. I mean, please, I can't, to hear you say that, I thought I was going to explode. No, girl, come on, girl. I'm just, I'm just lighting your fire. Now, Ellen, you can preach. Preach it, girl, preach it. Tell somebody about how good Jesus is. I can't even tell you because there there is nothing else. There's nothing, this world is pathetic. Now, now that wonderful gentleman was on talking about Hamilton, this, and he wanted a different Yes, yes, And that's, that's, I, I, it's fascinating. My brother was an Americanist and he taught at, at Stanford University. Okay. Fine. There's a place for that. Yep. But the, but the point is that, 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 that it only shows even more. They were, they were uh, rapping about uh, against each other and yep. arguing back then. Nothing's changed because it's all meaningless. Yep. But the word of God is constant. Yep. The word of God is constant. Uh, it, 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 and, and we have, when you're around a Christian or a person you want to save, and you're right, we have to, to reach out to people because yep. that's what Christians do. That's the Word of God. Everything comes 
from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Everything we have, mm-hmm. everything that's good, mm-hmm. everything that, that and, and all of the things you talk about, yes, we, we have to. Yep. And I am so grateful to be an American. Me too. I am, I am so grateful that I have, have those freedoms. Me too. And, and other people in other countries, they can't, as Mm-mm. you say, speak freely. Mm-mm. They can't worship freely. They Mm-mm. can't even have a Bible in their home without fear of arrest. And that's all true, but the bottom line is that if they can find Christ, if they can find their way to Christ, they have everything they need. That's mm-hmm. it. Oh, I have to calm down. I'm sorry I talked so long. But, <laughs> but you have a, I was so excited. I thought I was excited last week because you were so fabulous about talking about your trip. But today, I'm just, it, I feel like I, I feel like I am a, uh, what do they call the firecracker? I'm ready to explode. That's I'm right. I'm ready to explode. That's right. And it's because the, the, I love this country. Me but, too. But the, 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 the freedom is from Jesus. So it's from I, I Jesus. It's from Jesus. Bless you, girl. Bless you. Bless you. No, no, bless you because I, 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 I tell you. You ain't taking my blessing from me. Nobody, nobody who says it right, right. I mean, to say you, you never disappoint is, is, is an understatement of the century. And this is just another example of a wonderful. I, I I just, I, you know, I, I'd like to get in your head for two seconds, but I, but it's too much for me. You're much too smart. For you me better put a hazmat, hazmat suit on when you go inside of, <laughs> inside of my head. It, it's a lot of danger. I tell people to wear a hard hat when you come around me because I'm a work in process and stones are coming down everywhere. But God's working on me. He, he's working on me. He is working on me. Bless you, sister. Thank you for your. That's what I'm talking about right there. I need two more people to call in. And and sh- and let's share. We got thirty minutes now. We've got thirty minutes to talk about true freedom, true freedom. I mean, true independence. I'm talking about being able to tell tens of thousands of people what does freedom mean to you. Do you feel as if you are sufficiently free? How does your freedom make you a better person? And how does the gospel play a factor in your freedom? I mean, you know, I can conflate this. Mine eyes have seen the glory. Of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. You do believe that, don't you? You do believe. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred caring camps, circling camps. They have builded him an altar in the evening, dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Uh, That hymn, for all that it's worth, lets us know that everything really is about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming back one day. I mean, coming back one day. And are you ready to tell the world he's coming? Because he came for you. He came for you. I got to take a break, and then I'll take your calls on uh, this Monday edition of Lifeline. one 888 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. Let's go to line one and talk with Sally in Marin County. Line number one. Sally, are you there? Good evening, Pastor. How are you? 
Oh, it's been kind of a rough day, and it isn't even hot. It's only 80. So how come? I don't know what my problem is. Well, well, well how are you feeling? What, what, what's going on? Old. Come on. Come on. Old. But, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. All right. I, I've only been listening since 6 because I was listening to Mark when he was talking to a uh, 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 um, colonel in the British Army retired. Right. And they were talking about appeasement, and I was thinking of... Uh, a Christian is not an appeaser if we're in the Word of God. Maybe you can enlighten me a little bit on that. Now, when they were talking about appeasement, give me the context. What kind of appeasement were they trying to produce? Well, one nation is against another. Right. Uh, you know, I I didn't particularly like to vote for Mr. Trump, but I definitely was very glad to mm-hmm. because he is not an appeaser. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we saw eight years of appeasement, and it's gotten us into deep trouble. And I, uh, but we as Christians have to balance. We have to be in the middle between being warlike or being uh, uh, trodden upon. You know, I agree, totally agree. Uh, the quagmire for the believer is uh, making sure that he or she or they or us, Sally. Do not fail to comprehend our mission. This is a very germane question that you're raising. Let's say that we do have the privilege of sitting in on two uh, fairly significant um, politicians or, or men or women of power who can shape the destiny of countries by either compromise or war, because one or the two will occur, uh, um, ideologically speaking, either we war or we, we have peace treaties of some sort or another, of which in the context of those treaties, uh, people win and people lose. And you're asking the question, is, is the believer beholden to that? Well, not when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to everything else beside the gospel, it's up for question. And yet, as a child of God, what we have to always try to do is maintain a foundation of righteousness, no matter what the outcome is. In other words, uh, if we were to use the model that you uh, refer to historically, the eight years of, of Obama, uh, th- that those were very, very problematic years on a lot of levels. So let me just kind of leave the political component out because that speaks for itself. But just on a religious level and on a gospel content level, <clears throat> Uh, President Barack Obama is going to have to answer for every legislative policy that he affirmed, signed off on an executive order by which he advanced the immoral liberalisms that presently define the struggles that we're having today, whether it was same sex marriage. Um, whether it was abortion, uh, whether it was the emboldenment of that community, uh, i.e. the rainbow colored White House with all of its uh, freedoms and agendas that 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 really have emerged out of the 60s that are presently now threatening us by way of policies. If we don't simply affirm the delusional assertion on their part that they can call themselves a male or a female uh, inspired of all of the binary 
a very clear and 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 obvious evidence on a uh, biological level that we are male and female and there are no other categories in the world. And yet here we are being told at this present time that as parents, if we don't give our children the right to define themselves in terms of their gender, that we will be there will be reprises, if not punishments down the line. And so when we think that policy that our countries, our our governments make, our leaders make that are immoral and unbiblical don't have a major impact on our lives. We are not thinking biblically. So in that light and in that framework, I fully agree with your concern. Compromise is never, ever a biblical stance when it comes to those um, absolute inviolable principles that constitutes God's authority in our life. When God tells us he made them male and female, we can't compromise that. When God plainly says that the only thing that he ordains is the marriage and union of a male and female, we can't compromise that when God says that sex is between a man and a woman can't be compromised. When God says don't have sex between men and men, men and men and women and women can't be compromised. When God says suffer the little children to come unto me for such are the kingdom of heaven. It means that we are to recognize the Imago day in them going all the way back to the womb. I mean, all the way back to the womb. The moment there's a conception and we've already affirmed that, that that conception constitutes life. That's not merely a fetus. None of that can be compromised. You can't be a Christian and compromise those principles because they are intrinsically connected to the nature and character of the one true and living God. Let me finally make this statement around that kind of example and analogy of the bigger concern that you're talking about, Sally, around compromise. The gospel properly presented and we haven't always presented the gospel properly in our world, whether it was the ancient church of Israel, whether it was the early new Testament church, whether it was the Greek Orthodox church, Roman Catholic church, Protestant church, reformed church, and the evangelical church today. We haven't always properly represented God, but where we get a handle on the word of God properly, like Ellen said, our problem as professing Christians is we don't know God's word. And even when we do know it, we don't have a commitment to it. Like one of my dear brothers, James White, attacked because of his marvelous apologetic skills, said that a lot of people are simply caught up in a kind of of uh, uh, taste and sentimentality around religion rather than truth and conviction. Truth and conviction have to do with us having a real working knowledge of God's word, hearing it, understanding it, and believing it. And then upon believing it in love, tell men and women, we can't compromise on these things. We have a king in glory who sits on his throne and he rules over all of us and we've got to answer to him. So the question ultimately is, how much flexibility does the Christian operate in on political social issues uh, without denying who they are in Christ and denying the Lordship of God? Well, well, the word of God is very clear about how we should function, Sally. We can't compromise it. The moment we do, we lose all kind of ground, which we have done in America for decades and decades and decades. And as much as I did not vote for Trump, because I have a policy about voting. I don't just vote for the lesser of two evils. I don't. I fully understand my brothers and sisters who did relative to the alternative. Uh, I appreciate the areas in which that man stands. There are areas I fully disagree with him on, 
but the areas in which he's standing, they are facilitators of preservation for at least a large portion of what we as professing Christians understand and know are essential to maintaining our freedoms. And for that, because God is ultimately the God of all uh, kings, he's the king of kings and Lord of lords. I'm very thankful for um, our present uh, government. I'm very thankful for it. Very thankful for it. And I hope that we don't continue down a trajectory of compromise. Does that help? Uh, yes. But when, we, when we're in the Word, you realize the gifts that God gave us by the principles, they are real blessings. Yes, they are. To work only. I mean, and to really get to know who you're worshiping. Yep. And all the way down the, the ten principles. Yep. Ten suggest that the, the ten... Commandments. Commissions, whatever you want to call them, yep. they are blessings. Yep. Yep. And and to have a a whole family, to be able to have a whole nuclear family and a nuclear church, uh, and 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 to be able to use the Bible. I mean, it's it's it. You know, God is God is so good. Yep. You are you are to- you're totally right about that. And just recognize. Um, I'm teaching Psalm 91 for seven weeks. You can watch it online if you're not doing anything from 11. I'm not online. To... I'm an old timer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, right behind... I'm right, beh- I'm right behind you. But Psalm 91 is beautiful because what it actually deals with is this warfare that we're in and, and, and yet God promises to protect even in the midst of the warfare, those who trust him. And, and that's really what it's about. We're in a fierce war in a world that has been overtaken by a diabolical enemy and God has allowed it and will allow it until he returns. And so he calls his people to be humbly wise and uh, ruthlessly truthful um, so as to adorn the gospel uh, to all that watch in the scenario that you painted of a nuclear family of a man and a woman and children who love, love God and love Christ and, and bear that kind of witness. It is very possible. It is very possible. I have the joy of that kind of testimony, thankfully, uh, and many members in our church do. But I see the church being riddled, ripped apart by um, a social construct and a, a diabolical agenda that makes it very hard to maintain that model. It can be done. But men and women are going to have to be real believers and draw the line in the sand uh, when it comes to compromise. If Uh, 30 or 40 years from now, we're going to look up and have congregations that know what it means to be uh, God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-based, and Spirit-filled. God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-based, and Spirit-filled. I'm not talking cultic. I'm not talking Mormonism. I'm not talking these extremes, and I'm not talking about uh, ethnocentrism where people are separating and being all black and all white and all. I'm talking about if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. And I'm talking about the beauty and splendor of diversity that has its unity in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful revelation of what it's going to be in glory. Every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue under one banner. And that's the banner of the Lord Jesus. One law, one Lord giver, one baptism, one, one God and father of us all. And uh, that reality is taking place, albeit in the midst of a major, major, major war. Thank you for your call, my dear sister. Got to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to holler at uh, Caleb, Saul, I think it's Saul, and uh, and then Brother Nelson got a question, and we'll close out on that. Very good question. Very good question. We'll be right back. 
And now back to Lifeline. And we're back to time 647. Let's quickly go to line number four and talk with Sal in Richmond. Saul, are you there? Hey, hey, how you doing, Pastor? I'm great. What's, what's going on, man? Okay, so um, I, I was listening to what you were talking about, and, and, and it, it kind of like pushed me in a different direction about about Psalms 91. I love that 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 scripture. I love the whole thing. I I, I read it over my family every morning, and again, I I, I just adore it. But again, I was uh, I wanted to talk about being free, mm-hmm. and what what being free to me is 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 what my Lord done for me. My Lord Jesus Christ, he, he released me from the things that I used to do as a young man. I, I didn't do what I needed to do as far as walking with Christ. Right. But, but so, so to make a long story short, cause I know I ain't got that much time, but I didn't, I didn't, I did a whole lot of stuff as, as, as a teenager. Uh, uh, my father gave me an ultimatum. He told me to either, either I got to do what, what needs to be done or I got to go. And I made my decision to leave. And by me making that decision to leave, I, I ended up on the streets sure. uh, selling, doing a whole lot of stuff again that I, that, that I'm not, that I'm not proud of. But again, it shaped who I am now because again, when I went to prison, I didn't know at the time, but I didn't know that the Lord was covering me. Absolutely. He brought it back to my remembrance when, I, I I gave my life to Christ and I got saved. Right. And and uh, I went like like when I was in the streets, I made a whole lot of money, right? And 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 I wasn't in the church, but it was the, the scripture always popped up in my head that what process a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul. And I didn't know why I remembered that scripture because again I wasn't reading the Bible. Right. But 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 that scripture came to me, and after uh, uh, I started walking uh, in, in in the Lord. He brought it back again to my memory, and I'm like, oh, that's that scripture. But he told me that you was a dead man walking when you was in them streets. Yeah, you was having money. You thought you was having it your way. You thought that was the life that I have for you, but it wasn't. So it, it showed me that my freedom is with him. Amen. I thought I thought my freedom was... Uh, uh, you know, conquering the women that I was dealing with, uh, conquering uh, my status in the streets, conquering all these things mm-hmm. that belong to the world. Mm-hmm. That's where I thought my freedom was until he showed me that. And now that I know where my freedom is, uh, the, the stuff I do as far as the, the, how, how, it made, how my freedom made me better is that I do what, the work I do. I, I work with with uh, young men that's at risk, yeah, uh, and that, that's involved with uh, uh, gun violence. So I get back to them through my job. I get back to them and I give them my experience. Yep. And, and I I try to lead them to Christ. They don't want to hear it, but I don't shove it down their throat. But they know exactly. I give it to them. Give it to them a little by little. I don't want to be that pest, but they know when they're in the car with me. All I listen to is 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 is, is scripture. Yep. All I listen to is, is you or the other pastors on the radio station. That's what I listen to. So when they get in the car, they get it, you know. But they don't they don't hold on to it all the way because again, they're they not free, and I know they're not free because I used to be them. I was there, so. My freedom, again, my freedom comes from, from my Lord, and what makes me a better person is for what, how I'm trying to get back and do what I, what, what I know that my calling is, and that's 
to, to reach these young men and show them that life is more than what they think it is. Man, let me tell you something about what you're doing. <clears throat> you're doing what God ordains for all of us to do as elders, and that is to sow into their lives like somebody sowed into your life and mine. I've been exactly where you were as well, if you know anything about my story. And I know that what God did, he kept me by his grace while I was running, you know, uh, making my mad dash to hell. We call it putting the handcuffs of grace on you. And God knows how to do that by inseminating certain biblical truths into your consciousness when you're younger by either advertently having you hear it through your grandmama, your your uncle, your auntie or church or what have you. And that word gets in you. And while you're running crazy, that 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 principle of grace is actually putting a resistance on you. It's actually designed to protect you, because when you're one of God's elect, he going to hunt you down. He going to get you. He going to corner you. He going to have you to stop. He's going to arrest you in the name of the Lord. And you going to give you going to raise your hands and you going to cry uncle and you're going to submit to his righteousness and you're going to see his glory. And when he starts to tow you back in, you're going to be able to look back and realize that God all along was working with your soul, even while you were walking in darkness. So what do we do? We pay it forwards. We tell young men who are clowning and thinking bad and acting crazy right now. We tell them about Christ. We do it gingerly. We do it wisely. We do it prudently because we're sowing seed into them that one day God can quicken on, uh, quicken their souls by his grace and they'll remember when Saul was hollering at them talking to them encouraging them and building them up so you continue my brother doing what you do uh, until we see him face to face thank you for the call I'm gonna go to Caleb on line number two before we close out uh, line number two Caleb are you there Caleb going once Caleb going twice Caleb going three times on line number three let me go to uh, Nelson on line number uh, three, rather. Nelson, are you there on line number three? Nelson. Yeah, I, just, I really wanted to call back because I, I guess maybe you and Ella didn't want, didn't want to present it that way, but it, it almost comes off like only Americans can have this freedom because, you know, in Singapore, they sing out missionaries, um, Taiwan and South Korea. I, I understand in other countries, Western countries, like um, Canada and mm-hmm. Germany, there are some restrictions on freedom, like having home schools. But my basic thing I just wanted to say was, um, you know, some some African-Americans particularly feel more free in um, um, Australia and Singapore. Um, I, I've watched the YouTube channel, um, The Black Experience in Japan, but now they've gone into Singapore and other places. But I, I don't like to think where only Americans are free. Uh, th- that's pre- that's repeated a lot. Even that song, "I'm proud to be American." At least I'm free. I'm a marine. I'm, I'm a patriotic, but that's not exactly true. America's not the only free country. Right, but I didn't make that statement. You you ex- you no. extrapolated on that. Yeah, it's all good, <laughs> brother. It's all good. Well, well, I, I, I mean, you... but the stuff she but but she was making a connection no, with I... being American with her Christianity being free. And, and you really can't do that. In my but, but that wasn't, yeah, you can't let me help you. I, I'm glad you called back on that one. Yeah, you can just like you can do it in Singapore and you can do it in Africa. You really can thank God for the providential place that he puts you. He, you really can. This is called integration theology. I wish I had more time to develop it. We actually do. Uh, let me see if what's her name is. Oh, it's an African-American sister that end, end up being, 
Uh, her name is Phyllis something. She ended up being um, a slave that was brought from Africa. She ended up under a Presbyterian church, Phyllis something. It'll come back. Uh, and she wrote a beautiful hymn. And in that hymn, she spoke about the brutal mercies of God. Um, it'll come back. But what she described in that hymn became a hateful, derogatory thing on the part of many of uh, our kind of um I would say are more uh, socialist, social justice type of people who hate everything American and uh, hate all of the history of slavery as if it had no redemptive value whatsoever. But Phyllis, uh, it'll come back. Young African woman wrote a beautiful hymn wherein she talked about the brutal mercies of God. And what she was doing, Nelson, was admitting that while it was wrong for slavery to take place, while it was wrong for the slave masters to try to force Christianity upon her, while it was wrong for them to abuse and misabuse biblical truth in that context. And we all agree with that. She recognized the scarlet colored thread of God in the midst of those brutal acts uh, being a mercy to her to bring her near to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is critically important for all of us to understand that right where we are, God has the capacity to bless us. The only thing we don't want to do is uh, either imply, assert, or explicitly declare that, you know, America is the only blessed place. I didn't get that from my girl, Ellen. She picked up on the very thing that I'm talking about. I've been around the world enough, as have you, and I can still say, because there's this thing about what's going on in our nation right now of bringing America down so much that we virtually don't have any kind of uh, 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 virtue or qualities or some or any kind of reason for which people ought to come here. Uh, well, I would say this. Visit 10 nations and you'll discover at least eight out of those 10 nations will not be up to par with America. Now, that's a subjective type of thing because every individual will have a definition of freedom and, and how it should be and how they experience it in different countries. And yeah, without a doubt, you're going to experience some joys in different countries. I have. When I, when I do that, Nelson, I thank God for restraining sin in the whole of the human race so that we can get along at least temporarily when a black man leaves America and goes to England or Liverpool or London and largely enjoys it, even though I end up invariably bumping into a racist, somebody who don't like me. And when I ask for directions to the train station, they send me in the opposite direction just because I'm black. But I'm not going to blame that on all on Liverpool because as soon as I go down the street, I'll meet some German lady there who is more than glad to take my hand and walk me to the station. God is good. And we thank him for his freedom. So bless you, my brother. I'll talk to you later. Um, I do want to encourage you guys to come on out on Wednesday, 11 o'clock. Great study. Unpacking the psalm, showing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and how God has promised to take care of his people, even in the midst of a fierce battle and warfare against our soul. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. All right, until next time, um, you guys just enjoy yourself. Lord willing, we'll come back next week and take up some other subject after the 4th of July. As for me, I'm going to be hanging out with my girl on the 4th. We're going to be walking and basking in the sunshine and eating hot dogs and uh, barbecue turkey legs and uh, uh, having hot fun in the summertime. I'm dating myself. Y'all know. (laughs) 
hot fun in the summertime. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the grace of his God and by the spirit of his God. And I hope you do, too. And until then, um, keep your eyes on the one beautiful specimen of the universe. And that's the son of the living God. His name is Jesus. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.